why uh, this uh, reportage on ill-fitting condoms? Well, I think if you look back historically in condom use, uh, there weren't really many choices. Manufacturers either didn't have the inclination to uh, produce different types relative to size, or there, maybe there wasn't much demand or maybe even knowledge that uh, an ill-fitting condom may have some uh, problems in its use. And there really hasn't been much research done on are there negative outcomes of ill-fitting condoms? And actually, do men report that the condom didn't fit well? The premise behind this is is that if a condom doesn't fit well, that there may be uh, some errors in its use or some difficulties. And it's an area that's certainly been under-investigated. What do you think the most significant finding of your results was? If we're talking about uh, condoms relative to uh, pregnancy or STI protection, then the ones that deal with breakage and slippage, so from the prevention of, of disease or unintended pregnancy, those are really significant. I wonder you can tell me a little bit about breakage. This is uh, a novel uh, thing to me. I actually thought a, a condom was a pretty strong protection. One of our previous studies that was published uh, in American Journal of Health Education, which was a focus group study, uh, we did uh, ask men and women about condom breakage. And... Um, we were sort of surprised in the fact that uh, many of them did did report this. One woman indicated that uh, you know the condom was too small for the penis yeah. of her male partner, and but they decided also to continue to you know to have sex, and uh, that I guess you know led led into a breakage. And sometimes some of the women in this particular study said they did not always know that the condom had broken at the time. Uh, 29% of the men who had applied condoms to themselves said that uh, condoms had broke during sex, and uh, 13% said it had slipped. Um, I can also quite imagine in the middle of a sex act, especially if they're getting uh, pretty hard at it, uh, breakage and slippage could happen without people actually even realizing it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I mean, in, actually, in a, in a qualitative study that we had done, uh, a lot of the uh, subjects wondered about how vigorous the sex should be. Yeah. They were concerned about how vigorous and how, what the speed should be of the pelvic movements and so forth relative to breakage. Matter of fact, one of the, the men in this study, uh, and here's actually a quote, he said, is there a certain speed that you know you're supposed to be at when you're using them? <laughs> and he says, I'm trying to get a quickie and wanting to go fast, uh, but I don't know for sure if it will lead to breakage. And okay. So, uh, well, you've, you've told us quite a lot of interesting things already. Is there anything that really surprises you from your results? Well, I think, you know, from, uh, from a uh, preventative aspect relative to disease prevention, I think one of the other strengths of this particular study uh, looks at at those particular aspects of whether there's increased exposure, but also about relative to the sexual satisfaction and orgasm. I mean, the men, again, who had ill-fitting condoms had more difficulty reaching orgasms, but also their female partners. You know, it would be really intriguing to be able to follow these subjects, these participants, with qualitative you know, interviews 
focus groups to, to see what what is going on. I mean, is the irritation and because uh, men reported having more irritation, uh, the condom more likely became dry. Uh, there was difficulty as erection. Was that becoming so much of a focus it distracted from pleasure? We had actually done a, another uh, study that was published recently on condom turnoffs, and we found that a lot of the turnoffs of condom use were similar to both men and women. And one of the biggest ones here is that uh, they reported decreased sexual sensation, and uh, they had more difficulty maintaining arousal and, and having orgasm. And so that, I think, presents an incredible challenge to public health officials so we have two issues here about one is finding a condom that that a person feels comfortable with that fits and that you know takes some experimentation of the of the male and then also is the fact that um, this whole aspect of sexual pleasure and condom use i mean that if there's reduced pleasure an orgasm doesn't occur as much then certainly you know that's going to impede uh consistent condom use. I've actually heard this from other non-scientific sources, i.e. listening to patients that uh, when a condom isn't fitting very well, um, the whole sexual act uh, rather loses momentum. I I wonder if you'd be able to enlarge about this. Well, I mean, I think it just illustrates the uh, emotional component uh, to, you know, sexual expression and that uh, they choose a protection, and it's a real problem. It prevents uh, a couple from freeing themselves from the, the things that occur that may interfere with their emotional connection and their sexual arousal. Because I think you have a lot of barriers in the first place. I mean, in our qualitative study, we had uh, uh, some uh, you know, college students said one of the difficulties with condoms is that they didn't feel as emotionally close to the partner because they had reoccurring thoughts of this barrier between the two individuals, and it was really important for the, you know, the skin touch. Well, you've just said some very important things, and this uh, uh, business about the condom and emotional barriers I, I think is terribly, terribly important. Um, You'll often find, um, if you're dealing with somebody, for instance, who has a sexually transmitted infection, and they ask you about advice about condoms, you, you, you sort of say, well, yes, you, you ought to really use it, especially if you haven't got a regular partner. And then you always get them saying, well, how long into a relationship should I go on using a condom? And it's going to put a bit of a barrier between our sort of intimacy between both of us. Uh, your study's been in, in, in heterosexuals, but... If one looks at some of the homosexual uh, present time, this seems to be one of the arguments used against condoms to prevent STIs and HIV. No, I I think you're exactly correct on that. You know, some of these I think is going to take real creativity to try to overcome that. I mean, the sharing of that is such a powerful part of the human condition that as we know, you know, it sometimes overrides uh, these other kinds of considerations. And I don't know if there's any particular simple answer uh, to doing that. Uh, I mean, we've tried different things, I think, throughout time to eroticize condom use, uh, having the partner put on the condom. You know, some of that maybe has worked uh, to a certain extent, uh, but not certainly universally or as well as we would like. And so this whole idea of making condom 
an erotic experience, but part of the whole sexual interaction remains, I think, a, really a difficult challenge. You know, public health has real, real challenges. Well, you've just ended with the word public health, and that was one of the questions I was going to actually ask you. What are the public health consequences of your work, and what are the social consequences of your work? When we find out information like this, sometimes it it uh, presents public health dilemmas and needs that uh, sometimes are are contrary to maybe cultural norms or cultural perspectives about sexuality, and it really challenges them. But I think one tenet of public health is that we have to provide the information and the challenges to, you know, to protect individuals. I mean, Kinsey said, you know, I'm the reporter of facts. I'm not the judge. And that's paraphrasing what he said. And, of course, public health has to work within a cultural context. But I remember when the AIDS epidemic uh, uh, first came about, and the first time in the history, New York Times used the word anal sex. I mean, the epidemic forced them to talk about a sexual behavior that, you know, resulted in, in risk. And, and things like this may mean that in public health we have to address some things that some people might feel some discomfort, but one is important for the public health. Hmm. Now, um, we've got one or two other things to ask you, um, and this was all about right fit, uh, the right fit of condom for the male penis. Uh, men um, are a little bit sensitive about the size of their penises. Um, have you any thoughts about that issue or what you would do for the healthcare professionals or for sales for that uh, um, issue? Well, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, uh, the old saying is women don't have penis envy. Men do. Uh, you know, men, men are concerned about that, and, and most research indicates more concerned about it than their uh, their women partners actually and uh, but nevertheless it's for the self esteem it, it is an issue uh, i think wise marketing uh of condoms in different size and certainly don't label them as large medium and extra small i mean nobody's going to pick up a package <laughs> of extra small condoms so you could label them as large very large or extra large or something like that I think you actually brought up a very, very big, important point here, the sort of acceptance by men of themselves and their bodies and how they are. What effect do you think pornography has on uh, men's sort of self-image and uh, penis size? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, typically, you know, the sexually explicit material, the the men in there are are probably on the uh, upper end of the range of erect penis size. And... uh, the viewers may not understand that, and uh, because there's enormous focus, of course, in, in, in pornographers' sexually explicit videos, for example, on, on erections and, and size. You know, I think the development of one's self-concept relative to the sexuality and, and accepting oneself and understand that there's, there can be pleasure from, from yourself is a maturity thing, and it's a growth thing, and it may take you know, years for some people to be able to do that. And in general, one reason women become more sexually uh, responsive and orgasms more consistent as as they get older is the fact that they're becoming more accepting of themselves uh, from who they are and not trying to judge it in a, in a cultural norm. 
And so appreciating the fact of what you see in sexually explicit material is several limitations. It may not, uh, not many of the women look like that. Not many of the men look like that. It's, it's very genitally focused. And, uh, you know, some people can use that for sexual arousal. But understanding the limitations and understanding that is, is a big step. The work that we've done here at the Kinsey Institute, a lot of it has been uh, descriptive type, uh, correlational type, where we're finding uh, factors that influence uh, condom errors and problems. Uh, you know, I think next steps are doing sort of uh, clinical kinds of studies, uh, experimental kinds of studies, and, and uh, you know, interviewing individuals and couples of those who don't report problems and finding out uh, why they don't and why they are different than those that re- report to problems and you know and, and conveying that kind of message and then uh, you know encouraging ways that people can learn about uh, how to integrate condoms use into a uh, sexual expression and maybe finding some models that have worked for some people bill i, I i'm most grateful what for what you've been saying uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners on the podcast will also be extremely happy to hear about this and to have enlarged on the subject.